Brown and Eugene, and do so coming off two of the more enjoyable wins, John, that I've had the chance to call in 22 years. The Arizona State game was thrilling in a different kind of way. 20 lead changes just back and forth with an accent more on offense for both teams executing pretty well offensively. And the Beavers made the final play and pulled that out in a just a really exciting way, 80 to 79. Two games in a row with the other team having the last shot. Remy Martin, albeit from about midcourt, yeah. but a straight line drive that was just a little bit short. And then yesterday, a full 15 seconds and only one shot attempt. That's what I find interesting. Was it just one? Just from one. Peterson? It was Peterson kind of, he was out of sorts. He was. He, he, he was. caught it, didn't know whether to shoot it right away, then dribbled, and then saw, with the clock running down, decided to cast one off. It didn't go, and then the ball was rebounded by USC, but I don't remember ever another field no. goal attempt at that point. They initially tried to go inside to Evan Mobley, which clearly that would be the play you want to do, but the Beavers did a really good job of collapsing, and then Mobley somehow found a way to get it back outside to Peterson, who, through his hesitation, yes. allowed the defender to get to him. That's right. So he couldn't get a really good, clean three-pointer off, and then after right. the there is an ensuing battle for the ball and time ran out, it was it was... <laughs> It was glorious. Yes, it was. It was a very uh, a very good win. I think even though, you know, some might look at that and say, well, the Arizona State game was, quote, better. When you win games, I, for me, it doesn't really matter how what the final score is or, in a sense, even how you got there. But I, I enjoyed yesterday's game even more than the Arizona State win, as exciting as it was with yeah. all the, the good offense and the lead changes. But – this game, with it, it brought me back a little bit, and the score itself was the same. When the Beavers beat Arizona in Wayne's first year, the 2014-15 season, the Beavers were much more methodical offensively, controlled the tempo in that game, and beat the seventh-ranked Arizona Wildcats by a final score of 58-56. to So Josh, who does a lot of... Uh, interesting material in the tailgate show with yeah. the scores of games and right. first time this scores ever happened or whatever between them I and how he comes up with it and how he finds all of that is intriguing in its own right. But as soon as I saw it go final, as I was leaving Gill early yesterday evening, thinking about 58, 56, just simply as a score, that's one of the, the best scores in the Wayne Tinkle era now because he's beaten two very good teams. Now, this USC team is not ranked. I think they should be. They should have been. They are, and Bill Walton said it. I watched the game again last night when I got home. He said it a number of times, the most talented team in the Conference of Champions. He catches himself sometimes. He starts to say, well, he's the uh, shot block leader in the the Conference of Champions. He won't say (laughs) Pac-12. When he gets to Pac-12, he just moves quickly into the conference of champions but he and don mcclain and others have been anointing usc of late as the best team in the conference of champions look at they have unbelievable talent i hadn't really seen evan mobley uh, watching him i hadn't seen him at all i hadn't seen any usc games on tv and man is he good he is an nba guy and an old school i mean he has really good drop step uh, back to the basket Mm -hmm. um and and uh he rebounds well as a shot blocker. I haven't seen a player like him come through. We've seen some really good players come through Gil Coliseum these last couple of years with uh, Aiton and yeah. a couple of other guys. But 
Mobley to me is the most NBA ready. Even he's just 19 years old and a freshman. I'm, I hope he goes. Oh, he will. Yeah, he <laughs> he's will. He's projected to be anywhere from one to three. Yeah, he will. As an he's gone, and the job the Beavers did on him, though, all of that said yeah. and acknowledged as true, yeah. was tremendous. A team effort on him defensively, and even getting the ball where he got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Beavers responded to him well. Now. Mobley did pass out of the low post to get it to Peterson. Peterson probably just should have caught and shot. Caught and shot, yeah. He didn't He didn't do that. I have a question for you yeah. in your memory. There was a, 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 a Ethan Thompson block. Was that on Mobley, baseline under the basket? I'm trying to remember. I don't know if it – I think it was one of the Mobley brothers. It was, it was a tremendous dramatic. block as the shot clock was winding yeah. down. Yeah. Yes, it was a great play it, by Ethan. And it was earlier in the game. It wasn't yeah. towards the end, but – Well, was, it was in the second half, though. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But it, was, it wasn't part of that last – Right. Last uh, uh, deal. Um, no, I, I, I look forward to talking with Coach because how much of Mobley was Mobley not hitting? Was it collapsing? Was it Roman Silva? But, you know, Silva has a, a, a career-high 12, but he only played 15 minutes. I know it. He only played 15 minutes, and it was because of foul trouble, not because Coach wasn't playing him. No, six of seven from the field, and that – that elbow jumper from about 16 or yeah, 17, Yeah. If, if that's part of his game, and we don't get to see him practice enough, we yeah. we'll talk to Coach Tinkle to see when Roman let that go, how he, what he thought about it. But the, the Arizona State game, Coach played 11 guys, and they all contributed in a variety of ways. Right. Even if their minutes were short, Julian Franklin came in and worked very hard on defense. Tariq Silver was solid on the floor in his time. He narrowed it a little bit to nine against USC. Mm-hmm. And again, all nine found ways to contribute. Rodriguez is tough. I like his game. He makes four clutch free throws. Zach Reichel hustled and played and yeah. hit a couple of big shots. Jared Lucas, double figures again. And made, you know, again, makes all of his free throws, including right. another. He seems to, to be good almost once a game, it feels like, for the hat trick free throws, right. getting fouled on a three-point shot. And Ethan Thompson, while not quite as spectacular offensively in the second half as he was against Arizona State when he scored 15 of his 17, did have eight of his 13 in a lower-scoring game, made play after play. Zach Reichel's diving tap ahead to Ethan for a dunk in the first half. To be down eight nothing, that's and, yeah, and to be staring at uh oh, is this going to be another Arizona thing? It was. They didn't let it happen. It was. I was. I was thinking. Okay, not only are the Beavers, oh oh for whatever they were one for eleven at one mm-hmm. point, down eight nothing, and the shots they were getting were terrible. USC was quicker, faster mm-hmm. hands, taller, better, and they were all over Oregon State, and so. You know, shot clock winding down and off balance, mm-hmm. bad look because Big Brother is in your face. And then at the other end, they were going to the low post as they should have the entire game, and they opened both halves with that strategy in mind. I can just hear Coach Enfield saying, "You, you got away from what we do because they did get away from what <laughs> they do, and the Beavers took yeah. advantage of it." We'll take a break and come back with Coach Tinkle at twelve oh five. Kerry Eggers. CarryEggers.com. You can check him out. He writes well and prolifically about so many things. A big preview of Oregon State baseball currently available through Kerry. But he was a huge Atlanta Braves fan, still is, and knows about Don Sutton, the broadcaster. I never heard Don in his broadcast world, but for 28 years, after 23 years pitching Mm. in the big leagues, he was a voice of the Braves. 
So we'll talk to Kerry about yet another Hall of Famer and legend passing and talk to Kerry about other things, too, as we always can with the outstanding writer. But it's Coach Tinkle next, coming off two outstanding wins, Arizona State and USC to Gill, and walk away with the really great wins for the Beaver men's basketball program. Coach Tinkle next, 1240 Joe Radio. Middleton Heating has been here helping you for over 71 years, 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. Heating unit troubling you? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. Don't forget Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders, large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs online at Middleton. Heating.net. Are you looking for a better place to do your banking? Join the official credit union of Oregon State University Athletics. Oregon State Credit Union is your community-based and locally operated financial institution. We're committed to building trust and taking ownership in all we do. Integrity and confidentiality are the foundation of our business. Switch today to Oregon State Credit Union. We put integrity first. Drop by a branch. Call 800-732-0173 or sign up online at OregonStateCU.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Trump's Hobbies has been serving the area since 1972 and is a proud supporter of schools, clubs, and groups throughout the Mid Valley. Trump's has the area's largest selection of radio controlled cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, plastic models, model trains, fantasy games, collector cards, and modeling tools, parts, paints, and supplies. Whether you're an experienced modeler or just starting out, Trump's is there to help. Build it. Drive it. Fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Temple Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. At Running Princess Athletic, we are as passionate about OSU's women's basketball as we are about helping you find great athletic and athleisure wear. Running a marathon, running to the store, or running an online meeting, you deserve to be comfortable with our body-inclusive sizing. From extra small to 3XL, come see us at Running Princess Athletic, 351 Madison Avenue, downtown Corvallis or anytime at runningprincess.com. Go Beavers! We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. We'll get back to that important message shortly and dive right in today to our special guest who's available because it's an off day, and usually when we're in this window, that's not the case. So let's bring the head coach of the Oregon State men's basketball team right into the show, Wayne Tinkle, following another thrilling win. That's two in a row. Coach, congratulations on these last two games. What are your thoughts now as you take a day off, your guys a well-earned one, just about what's gone on within your program from last Thursday to uh, this Wednesday? A lot's happened, and the last two games have been tremendous. Okay, we are. We thought yeah, we're we trying thought, again. Coach, can you hear us? I don't know what happened. He's there, and we're here. Okay. Well, uh, should we hang up? Let, and let's hang again? up and try okay. it again, Doc. In yeah. fact, play it. Play the spot you were about to, if you can. While we try to yeah, regroup and I reconnect with head coach Wayne Tinkle. 
Kerry Eggers to come. Let's here's Wayne calling back again. So let's see what happens let's this time straight, straight. and go straight to Coach. Can you Tinkle. hear us, Coach? Coach, good morning. How are you? Yeah, up on me. Oh, we didn't mean to. I don't know what happened there, but we're on the air now, so we're on the air. We really appreciate you uh, coming on with us. I don't know what happened, but we're good. Well, Coach, congratulations. Uh, Two tremendous wins. We'll talk more about yesterday's because the other one's now, it seems, far in the rearview mirror. But to have you on today with an off day for the guys, you go into it off of just uh, the last two wins, Coach. The thing I loved about them, there's a lot of things to love. The team nature of the wins with so many different guys contributing. No, for sure. That's uh, you know that's been something that's been missing. Kind of that cohesiveness on on both ends. I mean, let's let's admit it. Our, our defense uh, has been very very poor in our losses, and uh, we we really defended well yesterday, just with way more grit and toughness, but togetherness. Like you, you know, you, you have confidence pressuring the ball if you know your teammates in his gap there to help. And I just think you know that. You know, the course of time with the amount of new guys, with everything we're battling, it just took a while to get to that. And then I think you add the embarrassing loss to Arizona, brought a real sense of urgency to the guys. And um, like we talked as a staff this morning, um, we mentioned after that game that this could be a turning point after the Arizona loss, one direction or the other. And to the credit of our guys, um, they turned it into a real positive. Coach, what do you think the difference is in these last few games down low defensively? For a while there, it was Olay defense, but the last couple of games has been tremendous, especially against USC with Andela and Roman Silva. Well, I just I think it's I think it's the urgency. I, I you know it was uh, it was tough for these guys to watch film game after game after game where we're giving up. You know, I mean, we called it a layup line. Um, you know, and and challenged some guys. Showed them technique, showed them video, um, you know. But I just think as a as a collective group, the guys have really bought into having each other's backs and, and fighting like we know we need to, and that's that's what turned it around the last couple of games. Coach, the the team nature of the wins, the Arizona State game, you played eleven guys and they all did something, didn't they? I mean, it, it just felt like even Julian Franklin in short minutes worked hard defensively. Tariq Silver was solid in his minutes. You narrowed it a little bit yesterday, but nine guys played and all contributed. I mean, that's it's becoming a, a, a really impressive team to watch play. No, well, for sure, and we thought, Mike, that uh, you know we, we that depth would be a real strength of ours with with this year's group and. We had a lot of injuries early, uh, you know, before the game started and just didn't quite come together with uh, everybody kind of knowing, you know, their roles and being comfortable with, with the defensive calls and bumps and offensive plays. But um, the guys have hung in there, and, and, and you know, like, like Julian, I know there were some games he didn't play early on, and we know he's a guy we can throw out there defensively and use his size. You know, if some other guys uh, that are a little more mature right now aren't, aren't getting it done. And Tariq Silver was a guy really bit by the injury bug early on. And his minutes have kind of been, you know, here and there. But they're, they're hanging in there. And, and we know they know we can trust them at any given moment for them to come in and give us a spark. And it really sends, you know, a message to some of the guys playing the big minutes that, you know, that they can come in and, Let's face it, there's times that that bench has got us back into some games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and when you have that, it, depth is a great creator of, of discipline. And, 
you know, getting guys on page, and I think we're starting to see that a little bit. Wayne Tinkle joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. I want to ask you about Roman Silva. He he showed more of his game last night, I think, than we've seen with some, you know, free-throw line corner jumpers. Does he have green light on that, or was he kind of stepping out of his zone because he looked very good no, offensively? No, no. He's, he's really got good touch uh, facing up, you know, out to 14, 15 feet. And, uh, you know, you heard our bench yell, you know, knock it down, Rome, before he even shot that. You know, he was really making some strides. He's worked very hard um, right, right, right around, right before Christmas. He started showing some signs. You know, uh, he, he was getting back into, into much better shape. And, and then, obviously, we, we lose him for two weeks, um, and we were we were concerned. But, um, you know, we, guys have done a nice job kind of getting his conditioning back and his health. And uh, he showed some, some, some real bright spots for us. I mean, he's, he's a load down low. And we knew, uh, in fact, we were frustrated early. We were supposed to go in to talk um, a little bit earlier and, um, we weren't, and, and then we even looked off Roman a time or two, and in the timeout got after the guys that good things were going to happen. They were so pressured up on us on the perimeter, we had to go at them in, inside, and, and then once we did that, you saw it kind of loosen some things up. So I was, I was extremely proud of, of Roman and, and his defense too. You know, we went we went to him late in the game because of his size uh, on Mobley. You know, he really caused some problems on that end as well, and. And then Rodriguez physicality, talks, you know, been giving us good minutes in that starting role the last couple of games. So love, uh, love how the bigs have, have come around, and and it's because they're healthy. I mean, you know, you don't think we lost Ro- missed Roman for the Cal and Stanford games, and uh, now we're we're glad to be close to full strength there in the post. And coach, you mentioned Maurice Kalu yesterday in the post game as well. Even if he didn't put up big numbers, he's capable of that offensively. He's even at times looked at. On defense at the other end, maybe one of those guys that you're trying to integrate into your bumps and schemes and plans. But it looked like yesterday some lights came on for him that way because wasn't he pretty good down there too? He he really was, uh, you know. And and we we've we've been on Mo about his defense and the sense of urgency and fighting and you know he wants it so bad he just you know he had to continue to grind and watch film and work in practice, work the defensive drills. Uh, and I thought he really put up a good fight. And, and I tell you, I had Coach Rupp talk to him uh, before Friday's practice after the Arizona game, you know, to tell him we were going to make a switch in the starting lineup, and he didn't bat an eye. And, and he's like, I want what's best for the team. I'll be ready to go. He was very enthusiastic in that practice, and he kept a positive attitude. Um, you know, we complimented him in the locker room last night uh, for doing that, and then you know, I said, Mo, a month ago, would you have thought we'd have you on the floor for the game-winning defensive possession? You know, but a credit to you for, for your attitude and your continued work and look at the role you played for us. And he's, he's you know, offensively, you feel so secure when he's out there because he can make shots, he can pass, make good decisions, handle it versus pressure. You saw that against Arizona State, uh, you know, and, and we knew it as he brought his defensive along, um, which he's starting to do here of late. You know, he's he's going to be a real weapon and, and have to be out on the floor for us. Want to talk about the end? The end of the games. Two thrilling finishes, starting with yesterday and the last fifteen point seven, and how you disrupted what I think you know, Coach Enfield was hoping to get with Mobley. 
uh, maybe that was a picture of the entire game in a sense. I know Mobley gets his, and he will and did a little bit earlier, but you quieted him down. So maybe from the whole game, Coach, with Mobley, the great player that he is, maybe even the number one guy coming up in the draft, what your plan was for him throughout the game and then what you were able to do on that last possession for them. Well, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to put our scouting report out there, yeah. but basically it came down to just being physical with him, um, you know, and, and not making it easy on him. And uh, our guys really did a good job of that. You know, the, the last possession, um, you know, we, we, when they set up their play, we called a quick timeout to try to get an idea. And uh, Coach Thompson had the scout, did a great job. We knew they were going to try to run a pick and roll and roll him to the rim and try to get something going to the basket, you know, uh, only being a, a one-point game, try to get to the free throw line or get an easy basket. We, we were supposed to keep the ball on that side and, and, and make Peterson drive to his left, which, which then would force Mobley to roll into the overloaded side defensively. But he got back to his right hand, came off the, the, to the screen and rolled, in the first play of the second half, they ran the same play, and Zach Reichel, who was guarding the opposite side wing, stood Mobley up, and Peterson threw the ball out of bounds. He just anticipated mm-hmm. he'd be at the rim. Mm-hmm. And they ran the same play, and we just didn't get that same bump. But I think having Roman uh, versus uh, Rodrigue, who had been playing some minutes defensively for us, his size – uh, disrupted Mobley, and he got a little off balance, and and you know ended up throwing that scoop pass out top. So Roman did a great job of recovering after plugging the ball screen, and then I think Ethan helped dig a little bit too. Uh, but mm-hmm. we were we were going to be physical with him at the rim and not let him get an easy look. Um, I was a little worried when Peterson had that look from the top of the key, but you know, luckily it was in and out, and uh, you know the loose ball, the horn went off before you know they were able to get another look at it. And, Gianni going in there and I think ended up wrestling that ball away. So um, it, it was nice. Uh, one of the coaches in the locker room said, man, it, 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 it feels – because I just love – I love winning games on the defensive end. And, uh, you know, that typified our night. We really, we really battled defensively yeah. against a very talented team. Yeah, that's two games in a row to do that. Rodrigue, by the way, has been clutch from the free throw line for a big guy who's not exact, exactly, you know, tears it up offensively. With his free throw prowess, does that make you feel better? Because you need his big body down low defensively, especially in clutch, you know, the endings of clutch games. Does that kind of help? Look, if he's going to get it and go back up with it, we, we feel good about him at the free throw line. We need him in there defensively. No, for sure, for sure. I mean, he's such a physical presence on the defensive end and on the glass, you know, and, and he wants to be out there. And, uh, you know, he, he struggled from the free throw line there for a while. You know, and, and we, we told him two things. We can't throw you the ball and we can't play you late. You know, if, if, if you can't finish or, or get to the free throw line and score him, and to his credit, he spent a lot of extra time shooting free throws. And, uh, you know, you, you, you've got to try to work with them mentally a little bit to get them a little more confident and believing. But, um, you know, he's he's been good for us. You know, his toe injury really hurt early in the Stanford game. You know, we missed him the rest of that game, obviously, but – you know, he, he got a big bucket for us right before Christmas against uh, Portland State, and his confidence has really grown from there. And uh, making those free throws, he made two big ones down the stretch against Arizona State, too, if you remember. Mm-hmm. So his confidence is growing, and, um, you know, he's, he's still trying to learn all of our
offensive plates, you know, there's times, you know, where, where, you know, he's just not sure. He still wants to please and do the right thing. He's thinking a little too much. But we just love his physicality, his attitude. And, you know, when, when, he, when he smiles, he lights the gym up with his personality. And, you know, we're just hoping that he's starting to show a little bit more of that moving forward because when he plays with that energy and that enthusiasm, uh, he's, he's at a whole different level, and, and, and he brings the team with him as well. A few more minutes with head coach Wayne Tinkle. Almost like rapid fire, coach. There's so many guys we haven't talked about, key leaders. I thought it was exemplary, and it, it exemplified your play yesterday when Zach Reichel hits the floor, taps the ball ahead to Ethan. Ethan gets a run-out dunk. That was in the first half, but that typified the type of toughness and leadership both of those guys have been showing. Yeah. No, you're right. That was that was uh, early in the second half, Mike coming. To oh, that's right. End, yes. Yeah, he was going for that ball, and we're like, we saw Ethan by himself. Look up, look <laughs> up! But he was falling to the ground, and all in one motion, made a perfect little scoop bounce pass about 50 feet to hit Ethan right in stride. And you know, Zach does typify the toughness that we want to, uh, you know, exude in our in our program, and. You know, he's on the floor an awful lot, diving for loose balls, trying to take charges, uh, you know, and that was a heady and unselfish play um, and, and, you know, helped help Ethan, you know, kind of get it going a little bit too in that second half. But, um, you know, we – it just seemed like, it, you know, we, we got a couple of good leads and would squander them, but we never let them take the lead and we always kind of came up with a toughness play to kind of get control back, you know, whether it was a – big-time defensive rebound, you know, an offensive rebound kick out, you know, a deflection. Ethan takes a charge late, um, you know, and, and, and those are the things from day one that we tell our team we have to do consistently to give ourselves a chance to win. And, you know, when you got a bunch of young guys that, that really believe in themselves, a lot of new guys, you know, that may, maybe they, they think that um, we're more talented and, and can win on that alone, and this group's now had plenty of experiences of learning how we need to play and what we need to do to give ourselves a chance to win. And we've, we've really boiled it down since the Arizona game, and it's execute the plan, play harder than our opponent, and enjoy each other out there. And I think those three things have kind of eased our guys' minds a little bit, and they've resulted to wins. So, so that's breeding the confidence that what we're telling them certainly works. We've been talking about a lot of big men on this team that have impacted your play dramatically, and you got good news a couple of days ago with respect to Ahmad Rand. As we close, Coach, I know that's in the future, and there's a lot of great basketball to play beginning Saturday down the road, but what about Ahmad and what he, what you hope he'll bring to the program? Well, he's just a high-energy, uh, a very athletic player, great kid. Uh, who just absolutely plays his heart out out there. I mean, he's he doesn't care what position. He doesn't care if you run a play for him. He doesn't care if he starts. He just wants to be in the game, affecting the game defensively, and, and, and then being that presence on the rim offensively. And, you know, he's got a lot of time here to work with us before next season, and we're going to have to develop, you know, some of the other parts of it. But, when you lead the country your freshman and sophomore year with five blocks a game, that tells you an awful lot, you know. And, and if you you know look at the years with, well, even Daniel Gomez before he got banged up, but you know Drew Eubanks and Tyler Kelly, having that shot blocker, um, you know, is 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 a difference maker. And 
you know, he's not six eleven, seven feet. He's six eight. He's thin. I already got a couple of texts about his weight, you know, and we're already already wondering. But um, he's got the frames. Um, you know, if we invest the time in him in the off season, uh, he can put on, you know, twenty pounds, and uh, he's going to be a, a real force for us. I mean, he'll be as athletic a guy, um, you know, as. as we, we've had in a, in a uniform in a while. And, um, you know, he's going to have to learn all, how we do our things and, you know, all the, the vocabularies and the bumps. But you talk about heart and passion uh, and giving it everything you've got, that, that's him. And if you saw some of those highlights that went out with the release, uh, you know what I'm talking yeah. about as far as his shot-blocking ability and his ability to finish offensively. Coach, we appreciate your time. Last thing, quick thoughts on your next opponent Saturday night. They've been on COVID. You got off COVID. Saturday night's game against Oregon. Yeah, well, you know, they're they're a very talented team. They've got Dana just does a great job. Uh, even when, when he gets, uh, you know, a, a new group of guys coming in, getting them to buy in and play together. They've got a mature team, good balance of mature guys, experienced guys, along with some younger guys. Um, they can score it um, defensively. They always make it tough for you. Uh, you know, and they've dealt with some adversity with injuries to key players. And all the while, they, you know, Dana just keeps them grinding away and getting wins. Now, you know, having to sit out for a little bit, uh, you know, when they, when they were, you know, starting to make a push is always tough. Um, uh, I think they started practicing again, though, Monday. So they'll have five days of practice um, before we play. I don't know how that works. When we took a pause, we only had two practices before we could play. But I think it's just the timing, the timing of where things shook out. So he'll have them prepared, excited to go. They should be fresh, um, you know. And so it's going to be a real challenge for us. But um, you know, we're excited with the opportunity. We're excited to just be able to be playing this game. And hopefully, um, he's got his group coming back to full strength. You know, we want, we want the Pac-12. Uh, to really make a push here as we get close to March, you know, and and, and so we need our teams to be healthy and playing uh, at their best level um, because obviously we feel we're one of the strongest uh, conferences in the country and we don't always get that that respect. But I think this is a year we're awfully, awfully deep. And so why, why wouldn't we want everybody to be at full strength and playing their best because then we'll be re- represented very well uh, come March. And so... It's going to be a heck of a battle, but we'll look forward to going down there and giving everything we've got. Coach, thank you so much for making time on an off day for you. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Congratulations on the last two wins to you and all the guys. Thanks for taking time for us. Yep. Thanks, guys. Good to be with you. All the best. Thank you, Coach. Wayne Tinkle joining us. We break and come back with more. Open phones. Any thoughts about what you've seen the last couple of games? Players that have encouraged you? Moments in the games that have been exciting? How was uh, how were Passion Walton? I received a text from Jim Wilson at one point during the game saying Passion Walton are fun today. I you know fun that was his descriptive word. In what sense were they? If you I mean was Bill doing his usual Bill thing? Was there anything? <laughs> I I listened to some of it. I heard some of it. I thought I heard Pash at one point almost apologize. Okay, okay, we'll try to get back now to the game. I think Walton did some play-by-play, and I did hear him refer to, I, I learned basketball from, and Chick Hearn was one of them. He did say <laughs> he that? Mentioned Chickie. He mentioned Chick Hearn, John Wooden, you know, Jack Ramsey. <laughs> 
but Chick was included in that pantheon. I, I went back and listened to it, too. I okay. sped through, though, because I wanted to speed yeah. to get up to the See last some of 15 the plays, seconds. Right. And uh, one point that I was watching... Zach Reichel made a move, and then he's Westland, Oregon, where the Willamette Wilsonville, where the Willamette crosses I five. And then I was hearing him say, he mentioned you, the great Mike Parker, twenty two years, Hacienda Heights. And I, you and I had talked about it earlier that you had that conversation with him, so he did get it in. And I don't remember how he got into it, but but he got that in. Sometimes it doesn't really matter. He'll just find a way to to get something in that he wants to get in. But Pash, it was fun because yeah. the parts that I heard Pash did just keep doing play-by-play while, while Bill, Bill was, was doing talking. something else. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm hoping that we can get Bill on either tomorrow or Friday. No, that'd be great. He's got a lot of games he's got going, and he works so hard in preparation. I give, I admire him for that. Do we know uh, who's doing Saturday's game? I do not know that yet. I'd be I don't surprised think, if it wasn't. I don't think he has it. I don't because I, the Pash and Walt, I mean, Bill was talking about all the games they've got coming up. I didn't hear him mention yeah. The rivalry game. If you have any thoughts about any of this, feel free to jump in. 497-5356. 497-5356. That covers the Downward Dog phone line and the University Honda text line. Kerry Eggers coming up at 1205-1240 Joe Radio. Your local Qdoba Mexican Eats plays an important role in serving our communities and will continue to provide access to freshly prepared food during this challenging time. While dining rooms are temporarily closed, all of your local Qdoba locations in Salem, Corvallis, Eugene, and throughout Oregon are ready to serve you with their same great flavors, making sure to take all safety precautions out of concern for their dedicated workers and valued customers. For quick and easy takeout ordering, call ahead to your locally owned and operated Qdoba Mexican Eats for curbside pickup. You can also use the app or order online at qdoba.com. Join thousands of Beaver fans who have discovered how Oregon State Credit Union can help turn your financial goals into fantastic realities. We offer online solutions that allow you to skip the trip to a branch and take the safe approach. Need to deposit a check or pay your landlord rent? You can do it from home. Join today and do more with your money. Visit us at OregonStateCU.com. Oregon State Credit Union, proud to be the official credit union of Oregon State Athletics. Oregon State appreciates the longtime support of great community partners, including Guarantee RV Supercenters. Guarantee has been with Beaver Nation for over two decades. When you're shopping for a travel trailer, fifth wheel, or motorhome, support the dealer that supports our Beavers. As an OSU graduate, I'm pleased to continue Guarantee's 54-year tradition of big city selection and country savings. On behalf of Beaver Nation, thanks to Guarantee RV in Junction City. Hey, Beaver Nation, this is Mike Park. I want to talk about my experience at the Barbers in Corvallis. Rachel at the Barbers has been cutting what hair I have for many years. Not only do I get a great haircut, but also a hot leather neck shave, a shampoo and scalp massage, a soothing neck and shoulder massage, free popcorn and soda, a TV at every station to watch all the games. Discover for yourself why over 2,000 guys a month go to the Barbers. Check them out on 9th Street in Corvallis, the Barbers, where I go and guys go for great cuts. Hey, Beaver fans. Football is back. Over the past several months, we all have come together to help each other in this COVID struggle. But would you know how to help a family member or a co-worker in the time of an emergency? Hi, I'm Todd Washington, owner of CPR Works, where we teach people the skills to help someone in the time of an emergency. I am currently holding both virtual and in-person classes for CPR and first aid. For more information or to schedule a class, contact me at cpr-works.com. Go Beavs, we're back. 
Trace comes inside, lays it in, and counts his foul. Your Tax and Wealth Management coaches, Paul Witzke, David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, and Robert Berry are ready to put you in the game. Perhaps you're looking to save money for your kids' college, start your retirement, or need business coaching. Tax and Wealth Management has what you need to execute that game plan into a victory. With 40 years in business, Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis has the strategy you need for tax planning and saving for your financial future. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com or call 541-753-4185 to get in the game. I received a, a text just before the game, and it's not as though it necessarily you know, put me off in the sense of I can't carry on here now, but but I was stricken's too strong of a word. But Ron Callen and I visited yesterday a little about about Talia von Olhoffen. The sense I got about her time frame from Ron, and he was just speculating, guessing, but he thinks not necessarily. I mean, not this weekend. Probably not next weekend on the mountain trip, but maybe ready to play against the Arizona schools at home. That's amazing. I mean, that is amazing. There was that was a, his sense. There was a video that, you know, Oregon State does a really good job of in-house videos, putting out little little snippets for anything that's going on athletically. And there was a video of her arriving on campus, walking into the practice facility, and uh, mm-hmm. being welcomed. It's just amazing to I me. Know. You're, you're in high school, literally, <laughs> within three weeks, you're playing in a Power 5 Pac-12 game. Pac-12 basketball <laughs> game? It hasn't <laughs> happened yet, but the fact yeah. that she can... It's amazing. Uh, that That is amazing to me. The closest thing we've we've experienced with that is someone graduating early and then going to spring practice in football. Which is different than this model that yeah. you're talking about, yes. So anyway, Ron and I were visiting about a few things. And then after, moments after we hung up, he texted me and said, did you see the news? Don Sutton passed away today at the age of 75. We've been losing so many, John. Yeah. Uh, we start Hall of Famers, year. and in 2021 is, you know, I hate to be so crass about it, but it feels like it's picking up where last year left off in terms of the legends yeah. of the game. And 75 is fairly young. Yes, yeah. It's fairly young. There's, there's. Uh... And I don't know, you know, we've asked the question before, and unfortunately we've had, we've had too many occasions to ask the question, but are, are, are some of these, are any of these losses touching you in, in any way that it gives you that cause for pause, not only because you remember these names and these people, but maybe even had at some level a, 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 an even deeper sort of personal touch with respect to the famous person that has, has passed. And for me, it, it, it's, it's profound in two ways, one in particular for Don Sutton. I even contemplated writing a, a little article years ago. I don't know if anybody, but I, I wanted to sit down when Don Sutton announced his retirement wow. in 1988. I was affected by that and wanted to write just a little thing called Sutton and Me. Because Don was the pitcher the night I went to my first baseball game. The very first baseball game I ever saw in person at any level. Never seen the game played until I went to Dodger Stadium June 17th of 1966. The last day of school had occurred that day and my dad took us all, my my sister, my mom. We all went to Dodger Stadium that night, a Friday night, June 17th, 1966. 
and get to the ballpark just wide-eyed. I'm still I'm only seven years old then. Yeah. I can but I remember walking in. I remember the beauty of the stadium, a night game, an eight o'clock game against the Giants, Dodgers Giants. I didn't I wasn't steeped in any kind of lore uh-huh. yet that oh, this is a my dad didn't know anything about it. Son, watch it. These teams don't like each other. This is a bitter rivalry. My dad was not a sports person at all, but saw that I was becoming one and bought me the baseball gloves and started taking me Did to games. Did you go to the and, game at your cajoling? Well, it, it, they act, no, that was like a gift. Son, we've got, you know, the end of school, last day of school, we're going to go to a baseball game. And huh. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I've been listening to Dodger games since about a month earlier. Okay. Every day after discovering the Dodgers and Scully in Mr. Holland's garage about a month earlier. So we go, and the first time I walk into the ballpark, it's June 17th of 66, Dodgers Giants, and the pitchers are a 21 year old rookie for the Dodgers named Don Sutton. Wow. And a veteran on a comeback trail after mediocrity throughout his career named Gaylord Perry. So I'm seeing Don Sutton and Gaylord Perry the first time I ever walk into a ballpark. You didn't know who they were, though. Didn't really know who they were. I do remember saying, and I'm glad that I had the scout's eye at seven, because as I've shared before, I said to my dad, Dad, who's that number 24 for the Giants? And he he looked at his program, went, oh, that's Willie Mays. And I said, well, he looks pretty good. And that was just watching him move, Uh just watching him run, hitting a ground ball, feeling a fly ball in center field. I was mesmerized just by watching number 24 in center field for the Giants. Where were your seats? We were (laughs) – my dad – Worked for Hughes Construction Company in Garden Grove, California. Mike Hughes was kind of one of these big wheeling, dealing construction guys in the Southland in a construction boom in that era. Mm -hmm. My dad was a superintendent for him. Didn't make the big money that Hughes did, but Mike was a pretty good boss. Had box seats at Dodger Stadium, two rows back behind the Dodger dugout, and gave my dad that year... He said, ah, your son's starting to like baseball. Would you ever like to use these tickets? And we went to probably 20, 25 games in the season in of 1966 seats. in box seats behind the Dodger, sta- Dodger dugout on the third base side. You're kidding. No. So, again, what does that also, did that tend to deepen uh, quickly my love for this whole thing? Yeah. We're going to go to the Dodgers again and sit behind the Dodger dugout. Of course, but it also gave you a... A false sense of, you know, when you can get those seats. That's true, and I didn't see them after that year very often. In fact, that was the only year, for whatever reason, you know, I don't know, business certainly continued to boom, but Mike Hughes, Mike Hughes, the boss, he didn't have the season tickets after that year. But I got to go to the World Series, Game 2, 1966, as a result of that. You've seen Koufax and Palmer at Dodger Stadium because Mike gave my dad the the World Series tickets for that game. So in I saw seats? game two. No, the box, they weren't box seats. Uh-huh. We ended up being out by the left field foul pole. But you got to go to a World I Series. I went to a World Series game because Hughes was a box seat holder, and he gave my dad the tickets often, and my dad took me often, sometimes the whole family, but often just dad and me. When you when you went box seats as, as mm-hmm. on June 16th, 1966. 17th. 17th. <laughs> Yes. Is that important? Well, it's Friday night. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then your first experience as a commoner, what what was your thoughts as a seven-year-old? Were you going, I don't, I don't want to no, be out no, here. No, no, no. This fact, is dumb. No, totally the opposite, John. Totally. Really, it was. 
I like those box seats, but and, and you could think, well, that's setting the bar pretty high for future right. experiences right. in the stadium. Right. But uh, the next year, and from '67 through '72, the seasons that we went as quote commoners without box <laughs> seats, I never saw those seats again. We sat in the left field pavilion, wow. and I loved it out there. Yeah. And dad, dad, dad would get to at times. You want to sit somewhere else in the stadium, son? No, I love it out here. I love the left field bleachers. Everywhere in a stadium, for whatever it is, has its own charm. Yeah, that's right. No, every section. Yeah. And I remember sitting there as a 10, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old kid in the left field bleachers often, sharing peanuts and, you know, <laughs> with all talking baseball, arguing baseball with, with other fans and, you know, arguing the merits of the bunt. I remember not knowing the game very well, still working on trying to learn it, but I didn't know it well. Tommy Davis came to the plate in a bunt situation, and I'm yelling, come on, Tommy, hit a three-run homer. <laughs> and the people were chuckling around me and laughing at me. Yeah. A three-run homer. And and that hurt me. And I said so I said to this total stranger who was kind of chuckling and laughing, yeah. I said, Why is that funny? Well, he's gonna <laughs> be up there to bunt, son. And he was, and then this fan took me under his wing and explained, Tommy can hit a three-run homer. And boy, you should have seen him when he could hit back in the yeah. old days before he hurt his knee or his ankle in sixty-five. And he explained to me why the bunt was in order in that situation. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And you learned it from there. From, from a fan, a stranger. But now, in today's game, the three-run oh, no, homer no. would be totally I, I should have said to the man, look, sir, thank you, but I'm just anticipating the direction <laughs> the game is going. I'm just anticipating 20, 20s. <laughs> Let's go to Mike in Seattle on the Downward Dog Sports Line. Kerry Eggers will join us at 12.05. And with Kerry, there's always a lot of things to talk about. Beaver baseball, Don Sutton, and other things. But to, to hear of the passing of Don, who was the first person I saw pitch a, a baseball game, it... it it touched me for a moment. I, I was that that amongst all of the losses we've had here of late, that was a very sad one for me to hear about. I loved watching him pitch in his ensuing years, and so that loss hurt. Mike in Seattle, welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Hey, thanks you guys. That was a great game last night. Good call. Thank you for all that. Yeah. Yeah. So the purpose of my call was. Um, so Mike, back about a month ago, I think you had Rich Brooks on. Remember that? Yes, I do. We've had him on a few times, yes. Yeah, and there were some great stories he told. So I started following him on Twitter, and he's pretty active. And he's got his golf games he talked about. But but it came through last night that he he said, R.I.P. Don Sutton. And I said, well, that's interesting. How does he know Don Sutton? Turns out they play golf together down in the desert. And... Um, so I'm sure there's a lot of great stories there. Hmm. It sounded like they were great friends and both and, and their wives and kids and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see if Kerry's got any stories that he got out of out of Rich Brooks. And if you ever have Rich on again, yeah, you know, there's a connection there. And I'm sure I'm sure Rich has got some got some good stories. You know, last 20 years or so. So there's a connection for you. Wow, Mike, I had no idea. I I, I don't jump on Twitter a lot. But I, Brooks is somebody that I do follow, so yeah. I've seen some of his tweets. I missed that one. R.I.P. Don yeah, Sutton. Which, time last night. Yeah, that, yeah, it was about 7.30 or so. It came through, and, and it sounds like they played a club down there called the Clive. Hmm. And I don't know anything about that, but they had a little moonshine, I guess, in his locker. Because he's from, <laughs> I think when Rich was in Kentucky, maybe, or something. So they had a little sip and made a toast. Wow. 
So you know what? I, I Yeah, the next time we, we visit with Coach Brooks, I'll ask him about that. Yeah. Don was from Cleo, Alabama, and you know, may, oh. may have come by his moonshine knowledge honestly, you know, along the way in his life. Who knows? The thing I remember, you know, the thing I remember about him was he had that afro, you know, before afros yeah. were, were in or, or, uh, or a jerry curl or whatever you call it. But he had that all the way up into his final picture. So it was yes. a natural thing, I guess. Mike, thank you for that. And how about the Beaver yeah. basketball team? I mean, that was another great oh, win yesterday. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it, it was awesome. Um, you know, it's good to see a turnaround. I think it's really important for the program now to get back on a good foot. But that was a good interview uh, that you had with Coach Tinkle. And, and I was struck by all the intricacies of the running of the plays and the mm-hmm. teaching, both offensive and defensively. And these kids don't come to programs, you know, with all that background anymore. Right. Back in our day, you know, we learned how to do plays and pass and cut and all that kind of stuff. Now it's all kind of rat ball in the AAU and the high schools. So when they get these freshmen or these transfers, they have to do a ton of teaching, you know, to get their program in or get their schemes in. And, uh, and I think it's really starting to show and to hear Coach Finkel talk about it. I think is very enlightening into all the work that goes on in the practice facilities. So yes. it was great. Thanks a lot, Mike. And thanks for the, the ducks. thanks for the tip on uh, on Rich. I appreciate it. One other thing, then, to close the thought from my own perspective on Sutton, it's it's interesting how ballparks become a, a place. And I, I shared last last couple of weeks, couple of weeks back, with the passing of Tommy Lasorda about experiences at Candlestick Park and Tony Bennett singing and Tommy and, and, and all of that. But it was also at Candlestick Park, which was the closest ballpark. You know, and I know the Kingdome and the Mariners were a little closer. Didn't get there as often in the early days of the Mariners franchise. I went a couple of times, but the Giants and the Do- yeah, Dodger games, Candlestick Park, it was still worth, a, on occasion, buddies, we'd pile in and, and go on a roadie and go to San Francisco and watch Dodger Giants games, several different series. And in one of them in 1980, which turned out to be Don's final year with the Dodgers, a couple of buddies and I were, were leaving. We'd stayed after the game pretty late. This was not the Joe Morgan 1982 debacle that broke my heart and still hurts. The last real pain I felt as a Dodger fan, October 3 of 82. But just a, a, a mid-June series in 1980, and we're leaving and walking out, and we look through a, a chain-link fence in a parking lot area, and I say to my buddies, Danny and Ray, I said, there's Don Sutton. And what, where? Right over there. And so my friend Danny, kind of a, a big Dodger fan and a little bit bold, hey, Don, <laughs> you know, yells over <laughs> at him. And Sutton turns. He's about to get into a truck, a pickup truck he was about to get into. He turns and walks over to the fence and really? spends about five to ten minutes visiting with us about different things. How old were you? Well, in 1980, I was probably tw- 21 at that point. Yeah, I hadn't quite turned 22 at that point. So my, you, were, you weren't whippersnappers. No, I wasn't. You were a, young adults. Yeah, but still, it was. Were you respectful? Well, yeah. And so and the thing. Hey, Don doesn't No, say. no, I didn't yell that. But uh, he, And he came over on his own. It's not, it was not like, hey, Don, come here. Yeah, yeah. You know. But it sounded like that from your buddy. Yeah, and, but he walked over 
and visited with us. And wow. they thanked us for coming to the game. Your Dodger fans, huh? well, thanks for coming. We appreciate the support here. This is a tough place to pitch in. I got to pitch better than that. You know, he hadn't had a great start. Think about that. The guy that was on the mound, your very first ball game as a seven-year-old. And then 14 years later, now a grown man, as you say. Yeah. But still, so so that the to see him, to then chat with him ever so briefly out through a chain link fence at Candlestick Park, cool. fourteen years later, and then just to kind of you know follow him the rest of his career. He's an intriguing pitcher in the history of the game. He, I think he only won twenty, maybe once or twice. Really. And yet he won 324 games and pitched 61 shutouts, a marvel of longevity, 23 seasons in the big leagues. It's a long time And became a kind of a rent-a-pitcher later. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he helped the Brewers in 82 win a playoff game or a game they had to win. Really? And it's like, I remember some, I think. I remember that series, uh, some, uh, a series. Somebody saying that's the reason we brought Sutton in for us for a game like that. And he won a big game to keep the Brewers. He won a game for Harvey Keene and, and kept the season going for Milwaukee. I don't remember the exact circumstances, but always cheered for Don from afar. Even after he left the Dodgers and pitched for other teams, he was always a guy that I had an affection for from the encounter in 66 and the one again in 80. Kerry Eggers enjoyed him as a broadcaster, too. We'll talk to Kerry about Beaver baseball, basketball, maybe football. As always, a potpourri of things with the outstanding writer Kerry Eggers, who joins us out of the gate next hour. Thanks to all of you for tuning our way today. It's the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with Your Money Now. Stocks are in rally mode today with the major indexes all in uncharted territory. Technology shares are leading the way with Netflix soaring 18%. That's in the wake of the streaming giant reporting that global paid subscriber additions leaped a net 8.5 million in the fourth quarter, lifting the total above 200 million for the first time. Checking the market indexes, the Dow Industrials are up 243 points. The S&P 500 ahead by 57. That tech-heavy Nasdaq now up 280. 83 points or 2.1 percent. Joe Biden has officially been sworn in as the nation's 46th president and amid a raft of executive actions he was expected to take in his first day on the job is in order to extend through March a freeze on evictions nationwide as millions of renters continue to struggle amid the pandemic. Biden will apparently also ask the Department of Education to extend a freeze on interest and principal payments for federal student loans through September. U.S. oil prices, oil prices extended their rally today. That's your money now. I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It, it was, was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable. 
so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, could, could I? For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the Glassman. Come see me at my new location at 3335 Ferry Street Southwest in Albany or give me a call. For auto glass solutions, better call. Glass man. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm Sam Nesline, your local Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help you stay on track. Call me today, 541-753-4665. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. This is Matt Vaskersian with today's little-known legend of sports. A basketball referee will often eject a player or a coach from a game for using foul language, but it's quite another matter when it's a fan who's forcibly removed from his seat for using profanity. That's just what happened during a 2001 game between the Heat and the Knicks in Miami after referee Joe Forte heard a fan sitting in a courtside seat let loose a barrage of expletives after Forte made a call against the home team. The ref noticed a six-year-old boy next to the irate fan and decided the outburst merited immediate action. So he instructed security to move the man to another seat away from the court. The game was delayed several minutes until the fan finally complied, never revealing to the determined referee that he was in fact pop singer Jimmy Buffett and the boy was his own son. Whether Buffett was wasted away in Margaritaville that day is a subject of much speculation, but his ejection that day was clearly a little-known legend of sports. I'm Matt Vaskersian. Have big plans for your laundry room? So does Lowe's. Right now, save big on a Samsung large capacity top load washer and dryer that was $949 and now is just $679 each. Samsung's newest washing machine comes in a stylish champagne finish and has more capacity for large loads to cut down on wash time. And with the innovative Samsung dryer, set sensor dry to help dry clothes more evenly. Shop at Lowe's now with free delivery. Valid through 120, U.S. only. Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are intelligent. You make all the right decisions. You were smart before smart was cool, and you made it cool again. You have a wealth of knowledge, and you are so very clever. <laughs> I bet you already knew I was going to say that, you genius. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you hear you could save big when you switch to progressive. But I'm pretty sure you already knew that, too. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The following is a production of the Two Docs Broadcasting Network. There is no place like home. Home, my I suppose your name is Smith. Seven, eight, nine. Indeed, Niner Jonathan Smith has come home. Smith sets up, post corner, Shotgun throws on the post, and on his way in is Robert Prescott. Touchdown, Beavers on the slam. 
As Jonathan returns, so does the Joe Beaver Show with the familiar names. His name is Mike. Mike Parker. You do know him, don't you? And... But John isn't Torment. John isn't Davos or the Red Woman or Stannis for that matter. John is John. And their familiar means of wailing guests. Get that fella's number! Get his number! But it's one number Nine. that we rally around as we welcome you to the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. We head into the second hour on the Joe Beaver Show and a pleasure to be joined by a friend of many years to the show and uh, even off the airwaves. Over the years, a pleasure to welcome the outstanding writer. You can continue to read his work. As always, tremendous in-depth articles on all manner of subjects at com. We welcome in Carrie to the Joe Beaver Show. Carrie, good afternoon. Thanks for taking time for us. How are you today? Yeah, doing good. Thanks, Mike. How are you guys? Well, we're good, too. And just, you know, you know from our world and the world of Oregon State sports and just to have games back has been great. But let's just start with we had Wayne Tinkle on a little while ago, Kerry. So we're better when the Beavers are playing well. And the last two wins, I don't know how much you've had a chance to see any of them, if at all, but those have been impressive victories. You know, I watched both of them, Mike, and I also watched that Arizona debacle and thought, my goodness, uh, Arizona's a good team, but are the Beavers that bad? I mean, it was just, uh, you know, the defense in particular was just horrendous. So, uh, yeah, I was impressed with their win over Arizona State, but really impressed yesterday against a good USC team. The defensive job that they did, uh, specifically on the big kid who is, I mean, that, that mobile is going to be, uh, you know, top five pick in the, mm-hmm. in the NBA and, and a draft. And, and, uh, just limiting the shots. And then also I noticed they, they lost the rebound battle, but I thought they did a heck of a job on the defensive boards. The, the, the Trojans were not able to get to the glass. They didn't get anything easy. And I, I thought Oregon State's offense was actually subpar. They, you know, they didn't shoot very well, but no. uh, the other things they did were, were good enough to get them to win. Yeah, defense was definitely it. What did you think about Roman Silva? I think that was his best game as a Beaver and kind of surprising that he's got that outside jumper. Uh, he hit one of them. I, he had most of them were the little layups, but at least he made them. And, and that's been a problem for the Beavers this year, the attack in the basket and then missing shots. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he gave him a huge lift, John. And also at the defensive end, just a few minutes guarding the big guys. He's such a big body. You hope you can get something out of him. And they haven't gotten much over his two years, but they certainly did last night. Gary Eggers joining us. Carrie, I thought of you because off and on, and you've told the story on the air, but I needed to be reminded and hope you can remind us. Right before the game yesterday, Ron Callen sent me the text, and it seems as though we're getting too many of these of late about the passing of legends in sports and baseball in particular with the Hall of Famers in 2020 and Tommy Lasorda already this year. And he said, did you see that Don Sutton had passed? And I just stopped what I was doing and reflected on a long life that many of us, I was a Dodger fan growing up in Los Angeles, and the first game I ever saw, Don pitched against Gaylord Perry in 1966. So that caught me up for a moment, just to think about the passage of time and the inevitability of where where we're all going. And I wondered what you thought when you heard the news. You were a fan of Sutton's in a different way, but you said you liked him as a broadcaster with the Braves, huh? Yeah, I did, and and I was able to meet him up in uh, 
doing something with the Mariners, and he was broadcasting the Braves. That's what it was, and it was the day that I got a chance to do an interview with Chipper Jones. But I ran into Sutton, and I just introduced myself and said I've enjoyed your your broadcasting, and he was very gracious. And I said, uh, you know, Mission. He had just moved over to radio. I think he'd done TV for four or five years, and then. They moved him onto the radio side, and I, and I had heard it. I had just gotten serious about, you know, that was a, I, I would hear him every now and then in the car, but not as often as when he was doing TV. And I said, I missed him on TV, and he says, yeah, you know, I miss it too. And I could tell he was disappointed. You know how those things go. They move people around. But what a great crew, Mike, that he had in those years with uh, Skip Carey and P. Van Weren and Ernie Johnson Sr. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, that, that is about as good a crew as you'll ever get. Uh, Don was, uh, you know, kind of a sarcastic wit, and uh, he would even do play-by-play at times. And I, I thought he was really good. One thing I liked about him was he wasn't that crew. You know, you knew that they loved the Braves, but they weren't homers in the sense that you know they didn't. They, you felt you could get some criticism too, which I really like. One thing I enjoy about your broadcast, especially in football with Jim Wilson, is that you guys, you know, if something's not going right, you can you can feel out, you know, and what you're saying, and I don't think that's the case in, in some broadcasting crews today. Kerry Eggers joining us. Well, it's nice that you had an interaction with Don, and you were able to share that with him. You, you said, though, I mean, you're a Braves fan from way back, and I want to get that story because it's a, it's a good one you shared before, <laughs> but Dwight's also a Braves fan, and you guys, though, were on different, you said Dwight James was not a fan of Sutton's. Was he somewhat polarizing in his style? You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure what the situation was, why he didn't like Sutton. I think he just, excuse me, got mm-hmm. people coming in here, Mike. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah uh, he didn't like him, I think, just because he just, I don't, I don't know, you know Dwight. Sometimes he gets <laughs> upset with broadcasters. But I can tell you my the background of my liking the Braves was uh, when I was seven years old, I, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I we used to get these posts. You probably remember the post cereal uh, would have baseball cards on the back of the box, and so I would cut them out. And one day I was reading a comic book, and there was an offer that you could uh, buy ten players from each team. There was any team you wanted for a dollar fifty a team. And so I asked my folks for three bucks. You know, I was a little kid, and I said, "Which two teams am I going to be able to order?" And the Yankees were the team, you know, everybody liked. So I ordered the Yankees. And then who else? Well, the Braves had just won the World Cup. Warren Spawn, I, I was left-handed. And the Hank Aaron, of course, was a burgeoning star. So I, I just picked up on them and have hung with them through the years. Of course, when Dale Murphy was there, it mm-hmm. created even more interest. And, you know, I've gone to a lot of and my kids over the years, Dwight, Dwight James, and I went once at Atlanta and watched the series. So it's been fun. Oh, that would be fun. Slight breakage, breakage of your phone. Um, but um, anyway, what about Don Sutton interview or um, memories as a player? Mike was just telling us about his growing up, watching him was the pitcher of his very first game. But is there any time you can uh, recall seeing Don Sutton and it made an impression on you? Well, let me just say a couple things about his career, John. Is he, as I look at his record, he had only one twenty. Now you might have might have already covered this. It's only one twenty-game winning season, and he won three hundred twenty-four games. He won at least ten games, double figures, at seventeen years in a row. His first 
18 beers, and then and then had an eight win, and then another five, you know, that where he was in double figures. I mean, I can't imagine there's been a more consistent pitcher. Uh, and then Don Sutton, he didn't have an overwhelming fastball, but tremendous control, obviously, and he, lifetime ERA is just fantastic. I think it's 324. Uh, I, Mike, I don't believe he ever won a Cy Young, did he? No, he did not. I mean, I mean, it's just it's just incredulous to me. I mean, he, he's right along the lines of a Tom Glavin to me, a guy that was a fantastic, uh, you know, control guy. And and I, you know, if you're a Dodger fan, you gotta gotta love a guy. I don't. He never had an injury. I, I mean, right. he must not have had. He never missed a start. Almost, it was. It's just incredible how durable he was. Yeah, and throwing his. Ma- I mean, he's a curveball master, and allegations of defacing and cutting the ball, which is are oh, yeah. probably true. But he, you know, found a way to to use that as part of his repertoire too over the years. Kerry Eggers joining us. Kerry, let's jump on some things on other subjects. You wrote an in-depth article in an interview with Mitch Canham recently as we go from Major League Baseball and a Hall of Fame figure in Don Sutton. Let's bring it a little closer to home. It's posted on your site, your conversation with Mitch. What did you glean from that conversation about Mitch and, and where Beaver baseball is as we hope to get a full schedule in this year? Well, Mike, as you know, Mitch is so so different than Pat Casey. Pat Casey was the old curmudgeon. Uh, yeah, we won the World Series last year, but let's see what these guys can do. I don't know how good we're going to be. A little bit of the Lou Holtz uh, mm-hmm. approach. Uh, Mitch is just the opposite, very positive about everything. And, you know, I, I think that's probably the way most young coaches are now. Um, he's very optimistic. It looks to me like they're going to be a typical, you know, Pat Casey team. They're going to be uh, a very good in the pitching department. Defense will be strong. They'll uh, they'll have find somebody that can be a, a you know kind of their go to guy at the plate. But uh, I think they're going to have to win games on their defense and their pitching and 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 maybe some of the small ball stuff. We talked about polarizing broadcasters. Don Sutton, at least in your world, you liked him. Dwight wasn't so sure. If you watch yesterday's game, let's let me just throw Bill Walton's name at you about a broadcaster and what your thoughts are about him. Well, listen, they were broadcasting from. I, I think he was in Los Angeles, and I don't know where Dave Pass was. Yeah, I'm not but sure. They either. weren't at the arena, right. so I, I I understand that you're probably going to be uh, want to um, you know make, tell more stories and maybe not do as much play by play. But that's all Walt's about is telling stories in, in almost a buffoonish fashion. And, and I have to admit, sometimes I kind of get a kick out of what he says. He was going on and on. He, I live in Charbonneau, and he mentioned Charbonneau about three times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Daniel Boone history <laughs> that's is right. right across the Wallowa River, uh, uh, where I fly to Canary. Right. You know, I, I mean, it's just he, he's, a, he's a unique guy and mm-hmm. i think probably there's you probably either love him or you hate him I, i'm one of the part of the few guys i'm kind of in the middle it's some of it's amusing but I, I, another I, I, this was a game where i really wish i could have listened to you if not for that damn 15 minute 15 second delay well thanks for saying that it was uh, it was a fun game to call to be sure the beaver defense was was swarming and exciting and evan mobley speaking of the nba Here's a guy that's projected anywhere from, from one, I've heard one, but one to five, and, and will not fall any further than that. What did you think of him? When you looked at him, is he a prototypical guy? The Beavers did a good job on him, I thought. 
they, they really did. And he just looked like a young guy who was kind of, uh, you know, flummoxed a little bit by some double team work. I think he's going to be, he looks like he's got a nice touch. Mm-hmm. He's thin. He's going to fill out, but he looked athletic to me. I mean, the scouts can't be wrong. I looked at a, a, a mock draft last night, and they've got him number two, so mm-hmm. he must be a terrific talent. What do you think so far of the Blazers, Kerry? Uh, I mean, how much you've been writing them, watching them, seeing most, of, if not all, of their games. What are your thoughts about where they sit right now? Well, Mike, I'm actually going Friday night to my first game this year at Moda Center. It's going to be. I'm going to do a column on my website, kerryeggers.com, about the experience of just being there in almost a ghost town and, and uh, you know, what it's like for, you know, Dwight James and the other writers that go there for every game, yet they have no communication other than through Zoom with the players and the coaches, and it's just it's just an eerie thing. But as far as the Blazers, I, I you know, listen, what a blow. McCollum's out now mm-hmm. for six to eight weeks. Uh, Nurkic is out at least six weeks. Those are the, two of the three best players, and, uh, they weren't playing great anyway, and now it's going to be all on the shoulders of Damian Lillard and, and you know, the supporting cast. I, I, I think they'll be in the 500 range, maybe a little better, uh, and they'll win some games that they probably shouldn't, and they're going to get beat by the good teams. And now you know, I, I think this is going to relegate them to the lower end of the playoff picture. I think they still have a decent shot at making it, but we'll see. I, I have not disappeared. I'm still here. And while you guys are talking, Carrie, there's, there's, uh, and it's all very interesting, but I'm trying to follow up some leads. Adrian Wojnarowski is saying that tonight's Blazer game postponed because of COVID issues. Uh, oh con- my God. Contact I tracing. Not heard that. Yeah, and I'm trying to get confirmation on it. Um, and it's slowly coming in. ESPN doesn't have it yet, neither does the Blazer webpage. But just as I'm following that, Steve Gress from the Corvallis Gazette Time tweets that this Friday's women's game has been postponed uh, because of contact tracing. Boy. And again, I need to get um, some kind of confirmation on that, but Gress from the Corvallis Gazette Times and Adrian Wojnarowski, both very good uh, sources. Yeah, John and Mike, both you guys, I know that it's been a frustrating season for, for us as fans because we don't know. We actually, you know, the, 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 the NBA has been pretty fortunate as many games as they've, they've, they haven't missed many games. And it's been a nightmare season for Scott Ruick so far, and I guess now they're going to miss another game. I had not heard about the Blazers. I'm, I'm curious whether it's them or, or Memphis. It's uh, They've got the COVID issues, but uh, that probably puts Friday's game in jeopardy too because they're playing Memphis again. That's right, Kerry. Do you have any? Uh, do you have a sense of in your world? I mean, John and I talk about it at times. I hear and read ratings are down. In, even in the King NFL, the numbers have not been as high. We try to figure out reasons why. Some people have called us and said it doesn't quite. You're, we're not in the same rhythm as fans. It doesn't feel quite as real with fans not there. Some games are going to be played, then they're canceled. What in your world, Kerry, which is intensely involved in covering a wide variety of sports, do you feel like the interest from your readership and the fans you know is the same, high level? Has it decreased or what? That's that's a really good question, um, and I think the answer that they give you is probably the best I can think of. Is that you're just kind of not in, in you're not in the rhythm of watching games because you're just not thinking about it. You're not going to any games, and it's just not on there. Not it doesn't register as much. 
I would think, actually, just off the top of my head, that it would be just the opposite. We need diversions. Mm-hmm. We need things to do. People, you know, are working more out from their home. And I would think the TV games, I mean, for me, it was just a godsend when Major League Baseball came back. And, and then, of course, we had football, too. So that was good. But, boy, I, I mean, I, I jumped on. I, I, I do the extra innings package every year anyway. But I was watching not just Braves games, but other things, just mm-hmm. as something to watch. Mm-hmm. You're right. And I've been surprised because I thought there would be more eyes than ever on games just to have them back. But the strangeness and the unpredictability of things, I think sports and sports viewership and interest follows in that same light. Kerry, last couple of things. Really appreciate your time as always. I hope you get to have that experience Friday with respect to Memphis and, and the fan experience. How's the website going? You're, the variety of the articles you present there is, is really, I mean, are you having fun in that sense, just going out and finding the stories and writing about the ones? It seems like you really want to. It's quite a breadth that people can find on your website. Yeah, without a doubt, I'm having fun. Dave Wilson is my web supervisor and just does a fantastic job. We work in con. Hey, Kerry, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here. Uh, we've had some issues. Your phone's break uh, has broken up several times, but not this long. So. Can you hear me now? Or are you still there? And I need to maybe have you take another shot at that answer about the website and the articles. Can you hear me? No. Well, when I said a few more minutes with Carrie, I think that was a sign. Perhaps it was time to bring the conversation to a close, which is always disappointing. So, Carrie, if you can't hear me, even if you can, thanks for taking time for us as always. I know you have some work to do now with respect to the COVID story, probably. So thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure to visit with Kerry Eggers, and we'll try again. He was about to mention Dave Wilson's work and was starting to talk about what a great job that uh, Dave is doing and he and Dave collaborating on the website. We highly recommend you give it a visit on a regular basis, kerryeggers.com, and there is a very good article posted there now on Beaver Baseball. Well, Doc, since this conversation, and it seems as though that's in keeping with the world of sports these days, Minute by minute, if you want to queue up the Doobie Brothers, that's what it is, right? I mean, minute by minute, things change. And so the Beavers, who've had such a hard time on the women's basketball side to get any rhythm going, 29-day hiatus on their own part. Uh, When they were ready to go, Arizona State wasn't. Now they're ready to go to host Washington Friday. But did you, is it issues within Washington's program? Yep. Okay, just when, led the to a postponement. Ready, just when the Beavers are ready to go. Now, Sunday's game, and that's a huge one, mm-hmm. uh, is against Washington State at 1 o'clock at Gill Coliseum. But that's that's a go because the Cougars and the Beavers are, are okay, but problems within the Washington program. And still trying to get absolute confirmation on the Blazers for uh, for tonight and maybe even the next one Friday against Memphis. It's uh, It's kind of a back-to-back by the uh, by the same pro, uh, same two teams so um, I, I think confirmation on that will come in fairly quickly Adrian Wojnarowski wouldn't just throw no. that out there so we're just kind of waiting on that okay. but we do have it up on the OSU Beaver uh, basketball or the OSU Beavers website that the Friday game is postponed but they play on Sunday and it's within the Husky program 
We will take a break on that note. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share, uh, disappointing that Kerry was breaking up on us a little bit, didn't hear everything, even in the best of times, and then we lost him completely. But the upshot was go to kerryhagers.com. You'll find a lot of very interesting and uh, the wide breadth of articles. The one thing I will I will say. I found it. it. What'd you find? The Minute by minute. Oh, you got it. It's Michael the, McDonald. Yeah. And now, is it Michael or the Doobies? I mean, I know it. It's the Doobies with yeah. him oh, yeah, as gotcha. the lead singer. Yeah. But Minute by Minute is about the world we live in, isn't it, Doc? I mean, it, ever it, changing. We will. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's it. We got to work that into an open. Let's take a break, Doc. It's ever changing. 497 5356, if you have any thoughts about any of the things we've been kicking around a little bit. And. If any of you can share from a having been touched on a on a level beyond just I think the general sadness that we feel when we hear of the loss of a Bob Gibson or Seaver or Whitey Ford or Joe Morgan or Tommy Lasorda or Lou Brock and Al Kaline and Jay Johnstone even and Lou Johnson and Jim Bouton and in, in other sports, the people and the legends that we've lost of late, and Gail Sayers and Paul Horning and uh, Tom Heinsohn and Paul Westfall. And, oh, man. You know, I mean, just the list, it just it seems bigger than ever. We're all, obviously, we're always dealing yeah. every, every week, every month with somebody that we've known and uh, we've been familiar with that, that passes on. We understand that. It's just a big run right now. But it now. just feels like one after another. And I'm wondering, in your own world, whether any of these, or even if not recently, but when, fill in the blank, passed on. You had the experience that I had a bit yesterday, just stopping and, oh my goodness, thinking about thinking about the inevitability of all things and how um, quickly it all goes. For me to go from a seven-year-old kid in my mind seeing Sutton pitch June 17th of 66 to yesterday's news, I saw it all in a sense in a flash. I remember that Friday night at Dodger Stadium like it was yesterday. It felt, it feels in some ways like it was yesterday, and here we are now with Don gone at 75. Have you ever had an athlete or one of these Hall of Famers or others in your recent experience that you you can share that that was that sense of 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 mortality that caught you up and just oh my goodness your hero that you had as a kid when he or she left this this earth it affected you and Jerome Kersey for me seriously yeah. yeah yeah didn't see him like it wasn't a first he's around my age mm -hmm. and that's kind of what rattled me was wait a second what what happened right and he had just had knee surgery and it was a blood clot from that and there was another athlete same thing knee surgery blood clot and so my best friend just had knee surgery up in portland and i said uh, do everything you're supposed to do thinners walk around whatever and he was very well aware of that because we're both big big mm -hmm. Blazer fans mm -hmm. from that era with Jerome Kersey. Scary, but yeah. got through and it's all good. That one rattled me, Jerome Kersey. If you have any thoughts on these matters, the Beaver basketball games of the last of the last couple of games, we'd love to hear your uh, calls or texts. Four nine seven.
53-56. And an interesting bit by Keith Hernandez on Sutton's craft as a pitcher. I'll share with you next on 1240 Joe Radio. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eaves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. So if you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Did you know that the Natty Dresser is the area's premier suit and tuxedo provider? We have a nice selection of suits in stock from Hart Schaffner Marks and Baroni Couture. We are also the area's expert tuxedo and suit rental shop. We can fit guys from 5T to size 60 long, weddings, proms, and business interviews. We are here for all the important moments of your life. The Natty Dresser, purveyors of quality menswear, open Monday through Saturday at our new location on the corner of 2nd and Broad Alban in the heart of historic downtown Albany. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the Glassman. Come see me at my new location at 3335 Ferry Street Southwest in Albany or give me a call. For Auto Glass Solutions, better call the Glassman. Call 541-760-2277. Call the Glassman. Oregon State appreciates the longtime support of great community partners, including Guarantee RV Supercenters. Guarantee has been with Beaver Nation for over two decades. When you're shopping for a travel trailer, fifth wheel, or motorhome, support the dealer that supports our beavers. As an OSU graduate, I'm pleased to continue Guarantee's 54-year tradition of big city selection and country savings. On behalf of Beaver Nation, thanks to Guarantee RV in Junction City. Trace comes inside, lays it in, and counts his foul. Your tax and wealth management coaches, Paul Witzke, David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, and Robert Berry are ready to put you in the game. Perhaps you're looking to save money for your kids' college, start your retirement, or need business coaching. Tax and wealth management has what you need to execute that game plan into a victory. With 40 years in business, tax and wealth management in Corvallis has the strategy you need for tax planning and saving for your financial future. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com or Call 541-753-4185 to get in the game. Hi, this is Mike and Anderson Jewelers reminding you the gold and silver market is still strong, so I'm still buying old gold jewelry and watches. Right now I'm paying cash for 10, 14, and 18 karat gold jewelry, sterling silver, antique and estate jewelry, and of course Rolex and Omega wristwatches. Anderson Jewelers is a licensed and certified business buying old gold and silver in the city of Corvallis for 25 years. Need some extra cash? Stop by and see Mike today. Anderson Jewelers near the corner of 5th and Madison, downtown Corvallis. Two more. Okay, thank you, Doc. There was going to be there was going to be a Scott Ruick media uh, availability now at twelve thirty. We could have played it, but that's been moved to tomorrow. Remember that. If we want to, I think at twelve thirty tomorrow, a Scott Ruick media availability for the week in preparation of a weekend of women's basketball games, and um, 
because the game was postponed because of Husky COVID issues. Now that there's only one game this weekend being Washington State at 1 o'clock, 12.30 airtime here on Joe on Sunday, the Scott Ruick availability is tomorrow. Rob Nyer, who's been a, a frequent guest as the commissioner of the West Coast League and prolific baseball writer, one of the books among many that Rob has worked on, he worked with uh, Bill James, the original sabermetrician. The Nyer James Guide to Pitchers, an historical compendium of pitching, pitchers, and pitches. And Bob Gibson looms large in the middle of surrounded by great baseball figures. Gaylord Perry on the cover. Gaylord Perry, Randy Johnson, Bob Gibson, Warren Spahn, Sandy Koufax, Roger Clemens, and Bob Feller. Those are the photographs. Those are the people that made the cut on the cover of the Nair Nair James Guide to Pitchers. And it's pretty fascinating in that almost anybody that's ever pitched, I, I, I can't remember what their threshold was to put them in, but it's an encyclopedia, name by name by name, of anybody, almost anybody that ever pitched in the major leagues and what their repertoire was, really, what they were known for. So, for example, a guy like um, Raul Sanchez gets the following, 1952 to 1960. Listed as a suspected spitball pitcher, and that's it. I mean, that's all that you get on the entry for a guy named Raul Sanchez. How far back does it go? Yeah, I can't remember. The, I don't know how far back it goes. Most pitchers that have ever pitched in the big leagues, I mean, the, reckoning probably in the 20th century on up. You know, Squeaky Johnson from 1897? <laughs> I don't know if Squeaky made it. I'd have to look at that. But you have uh, Scott Sanderson. Pitch selection, fastball, slow curve, forkball, change. And that's it. That's all Scott Sanderson gets. When you get to Don Sutton, and it, but the, the length of entry on these pitchers is significant to me. Sutton has, compared to even to Bruce Souter and to most other pitchers in the S's anyway, as I flip through the book, he gets more ink than most pitchers uh-huh. because he was interesting. He was interesting. His career was interesting. Why? Well, as as Kerry just said, he, he never got hurt. 324 wins in 23 seasons. Oh, and, I thought you were talking about Scott Sanders. No, Sorry. no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to find confirmation on the Blazers. It is, it's happening. Many people have tweeted it, including Dwight, but I want to find blazer confirmation go ahead umpire tom gorman they have quotes comments of different people weighing in on on don sutton whose pitches are listed as one curveball two fastball three slider four screwball and five changeup. with a comment walter alston i don't think too many pitchers have mastered as many pitches as he has quote unquote then an umpire Nyer and James have an umpire quoted, Tom Gorman. The umpire, Tom Gorman, the hassle over illegal pitches is eternal, endless. Last summer, Doug Harvey tried to clean up Don Sutton's act. Sutton's a very good pitcher, been with the Dodgers for years, a big winner. But he has this habit of defacing and cutting the ball. (laughs) Been doing it for years. 
Harvey never caught him in the act, but in one game he penalized him 10 or 15 times. Then, so that's the, the, the legacy of the spitball and the defacing and the doctoring of the ball that Sutton, I think, had down. He was good at it. He got away with it. Do you think that the guy on um, Major League in Major League was uh, loosely, loosely based on that? I would say the guy in the the character in Major League. The sense I got, he was more loosely based on Gaylord Perry oh, because that's a both good one. were. They were southern. They were kind of the accent. You could tell. I yeah. mean, they were, had southern accents, and I think the guy was sort more modeled on Gaylord Perry <laughs> than Sutton. But it's interesting that the first game I ever saw in life, those uh-huh. two guys against each other. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Gaylord Perry, who won 21 games that year, uh, beat the Dodgers that night four to one. McCovey hit a three-run homer in the eighth to break my heart, and he hit it off of Sutton on a two-two change, which, you know, Alston says was his fifth best pitch. So he he didn't try to get Willie with his best pitch. He threw a change, and McCovey hammered it into the right field pavilion. I see the flight of the ball now, and the tears began. Because now I'm down four to one in my first game, and I cried most of the way home <laughs> with my dad not understanding. You know, he didn't care. He had no passions for sports at all. Now, here he's got a seven year old boy in the back seat crying, and he did say something that perked me up a little bit. He said, Son, son, we'll come to another game, and the Dodgers will win that one. Huh. And it was almost like, as I was crying, I thought, oh, we get to do this again, maybe? you know. So <laughs> I stopped crying, and that did kind of, Dad had the right touch to say that. But I've never forgotten that night. I remember driving away from the stadium, looking up on the hill, seeing the lights of the stadium both on the way in and on the way out. And you and, thought it was a one-time deal? Well, I didn't know. I didn't know that Dad had this Mike Hughes access to box seats deal, and I'm not sure that Mike <laughs> even knew. You know, he had box seats to all 81 home games and ended up giving my dad about 20 or 25 of those. That, that is amazing. That is amazing in any any yeah. decade. And no matter how much they cost, was is amazing. Yeah, I mean, they were great seats. I mean, those are the seats around the stars. Not that I, yeah. you know, now I wish I would have looked around to see Cary Grant had seats right in the same area and yeah. went to the same uh, when, they they were probably right next. They year. probably were. Yeah, I, I could have talked now to Carrie about North have, by Northwest. Your dad might have noticed, or, or, or maybe. Whatnot. But did he ever start to follow things without you? Yes. Yeah, he became he became a, a, a true fan. fan, and by a year later, you know, with the Rams Packers having just played one another again. I mean, the Rams Packers in '67, both games. My dad and I, those are sweet memories of getting to fo- fall in love with football and the Rams Packers and the block punt at the Coliseum in 67 to Were keep the season alive. Were you ever able to alive. have uh, conversations with your dad where he offered up opinion? Yeah, I think I've shared with you how he used to like Don Shula and then one day the hot mic. <laughs> the hot mic caught Shula in uh, some... Here's and, a, and my dad just, oh, oh that's oh, horrible. I don't like that's that. That's terrible. I, I, I respect your dad yeah. for that. Did your dad then ever graduate to a, po- a point of arguing with his brother when your Uncle Bob was trying to just light <laughs> you up? No. 
He didn't say, now I'll tell you what, Bob, he's got this, he can do this, he's got a stronger arm. No. (laughs) My dad never quite got to that level, starting as late as he did, just to to become interested in care. But to bring it all the way, you know, when I think about my (laughs) dad, what a beautiful man. The last time we talked was after the Beavers had gone to Hawaii in 2014 Ah. and won that game. Yeah. And when, you know, we got back, uh, he passed just a few days later. Oh, wow. But when I got back, our last conversation revolved around the Beavers did good, son. Wow. And he listened to the whole game. So and he so must he, have got great joy out of listening. He, he to you listened call to everything, games. and then even as a, uh, he he didn't miss a game. Yeah. He listened to every game, and you know, uh, well, it's been when I was um, when I was <coughs> excuse me when I was first starting to evince this love of sports. He would use me at times in uh, little gatherings, social gatherings and parties to perform. <laughs> Mike, tell tell uh, everybody here what the Dodgers ERAs are. So I well, Claude Osteen, you know, I'm 9 or 10. Osteen's uh, got an ERA now of 3.42, but I expect that to come down under 3 before the season's over. Don Sutton's sitting at 299 right now. <laughs> and you actually yeah, No, did I knew it. it. No, I and he 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 got a kick out of that. He would have me perform for you know, in-laws or, you know, friends coming over. Mike, what's Lou Johnson hitting today? Well, he's a 272 with 11 homers. You know the kid that came over to your house and so look, opened your garage door and said, oh, my God. Parker looks, yeah. That was you. In a sense. You were yeah. that little kid that just amazed everyone. With your knowledge and your ability to communicate. <laughs> so let's go to uh, Keith Hernandez on Sutton. I love this. I didn't know this. And I, I looked up the Nyer James Guide to Pitchers in honor of the late Don Sutton. Hernandez said this of Sutton. And for those of you who who watch pitching and the craft and the art of pitching closely and, and know the game, you'll appreciate, I think, what Hernandez says about Sutton and how Sutton called a game. And this is something to keep an eye on with other pitchers. But Hernandez said this after Don had retired in 1988. I think Hernandez has done a lot of broadcasting. But he said, quote, When you see the pitcher swipe at his leg with his glove as he stares in at the plate, he's asking for another sign. It's too bad Don Sutton is not still pitching. Or you could go out and watch him call the entire game this way. He's one of the few pitchers I ever saw do this. I don't know of any active pitchers who do it. Some will do it on and off. With Sutton, the catcher, Steve Yeager or Joe Ferguson, would drop the sign, one fastball, two curve, three slider, four change, in a traditional fashion, Sutton had complete control of all four pitches, and he didn't care whatever Jaeger, Jaeger or Ferguson called for. If he wanted something else, he signaled back with his gloves swiped across his chest or down his thigh. Swipes on the chest meant add a number to the signal called, and a slider, if he, sw- if he would swipe down the thigh, that meant subtract the number of swipes from the sign that the catcher had just flashed. So 
if you notice a pitcher swiping in this manner with any regularity, that's what the pitcher is up to. He's giving the signs, but not many do it like Sutton did. So I used to enjoy, I didn't know what Sutton was doing, but I always liked watching him at work. Hernandez explains what it was that was interesting. If you... If you YouTube Sutton, and I love Don's windup. It was one of the classic full windups, mm-hmm. leg kick. I mean, you know, so many pitchers these days work out of the stretch or they start and they don't have an elaborate windup. Some of the great old pitchers had these really big, oh, yeah. elaborate windups, often to generate power. Sutton had a big windup, but you would the way he would stand on the mound and not in what we're reading here, not take a sign, essentially give the signs. He would call mm. the game of those those uh, swipes of his chest and his thigh. He was calling the game for the catcher. So it didn't matter. Jaeger would just pick a starting point to curve. Yeah. And Sutton would either start subtracting or adding from that number and what, was what the he wanted to throw. Not, not high velo. I, I, I don't know. Probably... probably the uh, high 80s, huh? 90. He, he was, was not a the, he was not a velo guy. He was guy. just the guy on major league where he had to do everything he could to get get someone out. Let me see. You they, will too. <laughs> Let me you see put if they give his on the uh, baseball. He <laughs> 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 goes through the list. You will too. Nope, no, no, uh, no note on his velocity, but that isn't what he he lived on. Let's get a break means. in. Blazers, yeah. it is confirmed, okay. so it's postponed tonight. It's within the Memphis program, uh, the Grizzlies program for uh, for COVID issues, and Blazer uh, Beavers on Friday women's basketball. That is in the Husky program. Wow, yeah, it's a Let's weird break. deal. We'll come back with more on twelve forty Joe Radio. Have you tried to sell your RV? Was the offer from the RV dealer embarrassingly low? Garrity's Cash for Campers program will beat any offer for your RV, or we'll give you $500. This is Shannon Nill with Garrity RV Supercenters in Junction City. Now's a great time to sell or consign your travel trailer, fifth wheel, or motorhome so you can upgrade to a newer model that better fits your lifestyle. We've bought hundreds of RVs for cash, and you can be next. Safe vacations and escapes are now more important than ever, so make sure your RV is ready to maximize your fun and enjoyment. It starts by selling your current RV, and we'll give you $500 if Gary can't beat any other Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. We'll even pay off your existing loan in a hassle-free transaction when we buy your RV. Visit Garrity.com to learn more about Cash for Campers. We don't just sell fun, we guarantee it. Offer not available to commercial parties. Subject to change without notice. See dealer for details. Learn more at Garrity.com. This is Mike Parker for Evenflow Plumbing, your trusted award-winning plumber for the Mid-Valley. Evenflow specializes in complete plumbing and drain cleaning solutions for residential and commercial jobs. They treat your home like it's their home, and their flat rate pricing means no surprises at the end of the job. Evenflow takes pride in doing the job right the first time. Just call 541-738-8853 for all your plumbing needs. When you need a pro, go with the flow. Evenflow Plumbing. Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, Corvallis Floor Covering would like to thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and looks forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. 
Stop by and see Wendy, Robin, or Brian and check out their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, vinyl, laminate, tile, wood floorings, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beavs! Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. Hey, Beaver Nation, this is Mike Parker. I want to talk about my experience at the Barbers in Corvallis. Rachel at the Barbers has been cutting what hair I have for many years. Not only do I get a great haircut, but also a hot leather neck shave, a shampoo and scalp massage, a soothing neck and shoulder massage, free popcorn and soda, a TV at every station to watch all the games. Discover for yourself why over 2,000 guys a month go to the Barbers. Check them out on 9th Street in Corvallis, the Barbers, where I go and guys go for great cuts. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis really is pizza for all. Whether you're thinking meat mania, vegan victory, vegetarian virtuousness, or whatever you want to name your pizza, Woodstock's Pizza has it. They have over 35 fresh toppings to choose from, four different crust options, including cauliflower and gluten-free, and cheese choices that include vegan and dairy-free. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis really is pizza for all. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. Heading down the stretch on the Joe Beaver Show, let's welcome in on the Downward Dog Sports Line our good friend Dave from Tumwater. Dave, good afternoon. Good afternoon, fellas. Say, Mike, when you're (laughs) uh, both Chris and I got a kick out of your story about driving home from that, uh, what, 66 series, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, brought, brought to mind a couple of thoughts. Um, I, the first team I ever liked that I continued to follow, I mean, I was aware of the Hank Aaron Braves and the Jackie Robinson Dodgers, but it was kind of a, a distant association. But the Philadelphia Warriors were the first team I really liked and followed. And I can remember the, when they got to the playoffs and they lost that first year, as they inevitably did, to the Boston Celtics. I can remember feeling this weird sensation like, man, I'm really down about this. In other words, Mike, it yeah. shocked me as a 12-year-old yeah. how much I cared about the fact that the team I'd begun to follow because Wilt was such a fascinating figure to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I just distinctly remember this weird sensation about how it had affected my mood. But to switch to 1966, Mike, because yesterday uh, Mad Dog Russo was talking about how uh, Don Sutton pitched for the 66 Dodgers. And yes. That didn't strike me as being true. And, in fact, uh, I, I just I just just did some online research and Sutton wasn't with the Dodgers that early. I suspect you can confirm that. Is that not your sense as well? Well, no, Don. I mean that's what I've been saying, Dave. I mean, my 
no, he 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 was a rookie in '66 and went 12 and 12 with an ERA of 2.99. And the first time I saw a big league ball game was June 17th of 1966, Don's rookie year. And I I remembered hearing Scully throughout the Friday night. We've got a matchup: Don Sutton, the rookie, against the the struggling veteran Gaylord Perry. And Gaylord was in the process of reinventing himself as kind of a spitball artist and won 21 games that year and went on to a Hall of Fame career. So, yes, Don was a rookie on that 66 Dodger club. But apparently, Mike, uh, and again, uh, we don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this, certainly as close to the end of the show, but it doesn't appear as if Sutton pitched that World Series. No, he didn't. No, and I was just simply saying, no, he did not. But I, uh, he didn't get a start in the 66 series. I'm, the game that I cried most of the way home was the June 17, 1966 game. I cried on the Koufax game October 8th of 66 later in the, in the uh, season. I was crying on the way home knowing the Dodgers were probably out of that series in game two. Yeah, but here's the amazing stat. I, uh, I and I had I, I confess to having gone online to to check this. I, I didn't remember it in real time. The Orioles won four straight. Mike, they only used four pitchers. <laughs> Dave McNally started game one and two. Mo Drabowski came in in long relief, won the first game. But Wally Bunker and Jim Palmer and McNally the second time out. They only used four pitchers. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Now they go through 13 a game. <laughs> uh, but they, they only used, the Orioles used four pitchers yeah. in an entire World Series. Just amazing. It is. And the Dodgers only scored two runs, I believe, in the series, and that was in game one, and then didn't score the last three games. Yep, indeed. I'll, I'll never forget that. Uh, I was at college that year, which is why my my memory of that series is a little hazy. In the dorm, the Orioles won the uh, World Series. It was a Sunday afternoon. And as soon as the World Series was over, uh, somebody flipped the channel over to the Packers. They were playing the 49ers that day. And I said to all my buddies, oh, I like the Packers, too. And, of course, Everyone accused me of being a front runner, but in fact, the Orioles and the Packers were my favorite teams. <laughs> well, I know you're not that, Dave. That's for sure. Great to hear from you. We got to get one last break in, but I'm glad Mad Dog talked a little bit about Sutton yesterday. I mean, these figures deserve far more than. I mean, Sutton's a fascinating study in longevity, isn't he? I mean, you look at, like, as Kerry pointed out, he only wins 21 year, but, man, he's just year after year, 16 wins, 17 wins, 15 wins, 15 wins, 14 wins, 13 wins, 17 wins, 19 wins. There's something to be said for that kind of durability. Um, amazing productivity. Yeah. More lifetime wins than Jim Palmer. That's true. Hey, thanks for the call, Dave. Always good to hear from you. Let's take the final break, Johnny, and wrap it up for today on 1240 Joe Radio. 
Angry Beaver Grill is open for covered and heated outdoor dining as well as dinner-to-go orders Tuesday through Sunday. Get the favorites including Angry Beaver's Reuben and French dip sandwiches, burgers, tacos, and the Gables recipe chicken bisque soup and garlic croutons. And don't miss Angry Beaver's Friday and Saturday night famous Gables smoked ribeye steak dinner special. Angry Beaver Grill open Tuesday through Sunday from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. for covered and heated outdoor dining in the back of the restaurant and for carryout on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. Angry Beaver Thank you for your support. Have you tried to sell your RV? Was the offer from the RV dealer embarrassingly low? Garrity's Cash for Campers program will beat any offer for your RV, or we'll give you $500. This is Shannon Nill with Garrity RV Supercenters in Junction City. Now's a great time to sell or consign your travel trailer, fifth wheel, or motorhome so you can upgrade to a newer model that better fits your lifestyle. We've bought hundreds of RVs for cash, and you can be next. Safe vacations and escapes are now more important than ever, so make sure your RV is ready to maximize your fun and enjoyment. It starts by selling your current RV, and we'll give you $500 if Gary can't beat any other Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. We'll even pay off your existing loan in a hassle-free transaction when we buy your RV. Visit Guarantee.com to learn more about Cash for Campers. We don't just sell fun, we guarantee it. Offer not available to commercial parties. Subject to change without notice. See dealer for details. Learn more at Guarantee.com. Trump's Hobbies has been serving the area since 1972 and is a proud supporter of schools, clubs, and groups throughout the Mid-Valley. Trump says the area's largest selection of radio-controlled cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, plastic models, model trains, fantasy games, collector cards, and modeling tools, parts, paints, and supplies. Whether you're an experienced modeler or just starting out, Trump's is there to help. Build it. Drive it. Fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. Middleton Heating has been here helping you for over 71 years, 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. Heating unit troubling you? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. Don't forget Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs online at middletonheating.net. Your satisfaction is our success. Independent Auto Works. Need someone to service or repair your Volkswagen? See the guys at Independent Auto Works. Since 1970, they've been repairing and servicing all makes and models of VWs. And since they're next to the OSU campus, if you're a student or on staff, you can drop your car off and walk to work. For parts, service, or just plain advice, see the guys you can trust. Your satisfaction is our success. Independent Auto Works. Hi, this is Mike and Anderson Jewelers reminding you the gold and silver market is still strong, so I'm still buying old gold jewelry and watches. Right now I'm paying cash for 10, 14, and 18 karat gold jewelry, sterling silver, antique and estate jewelry, and of course Rolex and Omega wristwatches. Anderson Jewelers is a licensed and certified business buying old gold and silver in the city of Corvallis for 25 years. Need some extra cash? Stop by and see Mike today. Anderson Jewelers, near the corner of 5th and Madison, downtown Corvallis. Two minutes from right now. Thank you, Doug, from Salem. He said that he, you know, he, he listened 
to Joe Radio for the pre, halftime, and post-game show, yeah. and then the first half of the TV show. And, and Doug says, I just grew weary of Little Bill from SD, San Diego. <laughs> so I turned off the sound for the second half so I was not distracted. He considered the low point was Bill talking about the Boardman Coal Generation Plant. I found and reread the SI article on searching for Bobby Fisher. It's amazing. Hope the Mighty Beavers win the Civil War game. That's the rivalry series game, Doug. Anyway, <laughs> th- thanks for the call. And that's Saturday night at 730. Uh, thank you for all the texts today, uh, Dave. Thank you for the uh, uh, Dave, Dave, the orange one, I believe, uh, texted yeah, us. Yeah, he had too. a lot of information our way. Something to, and so thank you for that. Uh, and the orange one, as we know and love him as. Gaylord Perry, he said, was in Salem two summers ago. Should I ask the volcanoes for contact information? Yes. Do you remember carnation frozen chocolate malts with wooden spoons? Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a baseball game. I remember it from my hospital stays, but yes, Mm. baseball. Yeah, those were baseball game staples. Then an article on Tommy John, apparently in the New York Post. Tommy John is a COVID-19 denier as he fights COVID-19 from the hospital. Well, I I don't know anything about that, Dave. Tommy John himself was a very interesting figure with a lot of people arguing that he belongs in the Hall of Fame for not only the reason that he is a great pitcher, but uh, an entire surgical procedure named after him. Is that enough to get you in? Dave, thank you for everything. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll try it again tomorrow here on 1240 Joe Radio. All set, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And...